welcome. My name is Andy Fernandez. And my name is Michael Fernandez. And this is What Makes It Great. Today we are going to be discussing 1937's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I've never this heard of this movie before. <laughs> never ever. Ranked number 49 on the original list and number 34 moved up 15 spots uh, for the 10th, anniver- 10th anniversary list. And it's directed by about seven different people. <laughs> But of course, you know, produced and um, helped. I don't know so much work on funding and all that stuff from Walt Disney Studios. Yes, Walt Disney is the producer um, and the biggest name for for this uh, production, mm-hmm. and really the only one that I have some information about to talk about. But just really quick for um, credit where credits do the director David Hand is credited as the supervising director and then there are other directors that I guess were that were in charge of different sequences and things so there's William Cottrell Wilfred Jackson Larry Morey Purse Pierce my favorite name Purse Pierce and <laughs> Ben Sharpstein that's awesome I saw that Purse Pierce name on the uh, list and I was like is do you like pronounce the first name differently or something but yeah or is it Pierce Pierce <laughs> yeah, is it Pierce Pierce is it Perche Pierce, is it? What is it here? Perche Pierce, yeah. I'm going to say Purse Pierce. Purse Pierce sounds fun. Um, but yeah, so this is one I had seen before. Um, and I know I saw it when I was a kid, but I don't really have any memory of watching it. I just know that I've watched it, and I've watched it in a number of times in my life. I don't, I can't recall the first time I watched it, though. Yeah, me neither. Um, I, I have like a lot of strong memories to the music of this movie, but we'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Um, really, and then you know, we both both um, grew up going to Disney World throughout our childhood, and mm-hmm. so the characters of Disney movies and the music, and there was a Snow White ride in disney world i believe it's still in disneyland but it's not there in disney world anymore oh, it's, it's called not? snow white scary adventures and it's not there at disney world they they have another snow white ride called the uh, the seven dwarfs mine train oh, okay um, it's a kind of a big thunder mountain railroad type of roller coaster huh. um, which has got some pretty cool animatronics and it's a pretty fun ride um but uh you know that's the thing whenever we get into disney movies which there are three on the list i think this what fantasia what else fantasia and then toy story i believe oh cool so you know there's all kinds of cult there's a big culture around disney and uh you know whether it's theme park rides or toys and costumes and the music and the songs and Mm-hmm. The characters are so iconic, and and Dis- Walt Disney himself is a is a character as well. So there's a lot going on here. Um, th- like I said, I'd saw I saw this when I was a kid, and I remember liking it. I never really was super attached to it though, in in, t- in the way that I was to the ones from my childhood, which were kind of like the golden the the second coming golden age kind of the revival of the disney renaissance or whatever like the lion little king, mermaid aladdin. aladdin lion king exactly yeah but uh and do you have did you have any thoughts about you said like the music you said uh, you were attached to growing up and we'll go dive into that a little bit 
when we talk about the movie and the music but yeah not really like so much uh, like attached to but we had this little i don't know if you remember i'm sure you do but this little like toy keyboard thing that we had playing (laughs) as a kid yeah (laughs) and it had a couple like preloaded songs but like one of them was um hi-ho one of them was like um really yeah i remember like i don't remember i don't remember that detail it was like really kind of you know uh electronic sounding and it um was like a little faster than normal <laughs> but that was like one of my favorite preset songs on that little keyboard <laughs> mm. um that but then also i wanted to talk about music somewhere in the last movie or this movie disney has a huge hand to play in this but you get the birth of like modern pop music um i was, I was kind of thinking about that maybe that we'll have some more thoughts as the podcast goes on but like Fred Astaire, you know, writing The Way You Look Tonight and a lot of, like, those kind of songs, they, mm-hmm. I don't know, they were, like, big in movies and stuff like that, and then Disney comes along and they, you know, they kind of change the way how, it's it's pop music, like, that's, like, pop, a lot of pop music is, uses the same techniques and those same uh, themes and stuff from a lot of this music, but it's just yeah. interesting to uh, know we're in 1937, uh, this movie was, like, in theaters, and, like, Grandma and Grandpa, they could have, you know, gone and seen it, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Grandma, I remember Grandma singing some of these songs, um, <laughs> but, like... I yeah. don't remember that at all. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no. I feel like she loved this movie. Maybe I'm just, I don't know, projecting, but... It would have, yeah, she would have been a kid when it came out, because... Yeah. Um, yeah, she would have, so, but... But like all the stuff I hear about high school or something. Yeah, I think she would have probably been a little older. But I mean, these songs were like huge, and like these songs in this movie, everybody knows. And like Mm -hmm. I don't know. Whenever I rewatched it again, I was like, wow, yeah. Um, The story I know it's really simple, and I got that down. But the music is, I don't know. It's almost it's not a hundred years, but it's getting up there, and the songs are still very popular and household kind of songs. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about Walt Disney a little bit. Okay. Um, Walt Disney, one notable thing about him is he holds the record for most Academy Awards earned by an individual. He won 22 Academy Awards. Wow. um, And was nominated 59 times. Wow. Most of them are for like short cartoon animation, um, short best short animated film or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, he's he's credited, you know, with really pioneering animation as an art form. He you know, his cartoons were some of the first, if not the first, to do things like utilizing synchronized sound. Technicolor, uh, he, this, was, this movie is the first feature-length cartoon. Mm-hmm, which is um, awesome. Yeah, in, a lot of interesting technology that was developed in, in the use or in the making and the production of, these, of the Disney movies that really were popularized, if not, you know, the first ones to do things. Um, of course, created Disneyland and then eventually um, Disney World after he died. Um, but uh, a little bit about his life. He was born in Chicago and moved to Missouri. Um, really became interested in vaudeville and movies and cartoons and started drawing at a young age. Um, I also thought it was he, he wanted to join World War I, but he was too young. So he forged the date of birth on his birth certificate to join the Red Cross during World War I. Oh, wow. And he drew, like, cartoon characters and stuff on the side of his ambulance that he was driving around in, in Europe. And uh, then after the war, uh, he 
I've been. I was, we were just talking before. I've been watching way too much Hamilton, and so when I was after the war, I want to be like after the war went back to. The- <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, he began uh, making cartoons with his partner. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Ub Iwerks or Ub Eworks, huh. and uh, they co-created Oswald the Lucky Rabbit together, which they didn't own the rights to, and they lost the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. And famously, later on in life, the Disney company purchased the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit back, and in a really convoluted, um, like deal contract thing that basically was they traded in effect al michaels the sports commentator oh, from yeah. their network to another network <laughs> in order to get Oz, the rights to oswald the lucky rabbit back it's such a bizarre story but i, I remember that's kind of like the headline of it um but that experience of that they then they both co-created mickey mouse and um and owned the rights to made sure they retained the rights to or disney re- retained the rights to him so um, became you know the spokesperson brand for for his company and and everything he would go on to do. He actually voiced Mickey Mouse up until 1947. Oh wow! When did and, Walt uh, die? He died in 1966 at the age of 65 from lung cancer okay. from smoking. That's right, and he had um, that's right because Disneyland opened up and Disney World was in the works or something or i want to say disneyland was 55 i believe and disney world was 71 I think. okay yeah so i didn't see okay so um yeah he didn't get to see disney world but he came you know he had ideas around you know he was around when he the land was purchased and he had the idea for what epcot later became mm-hmm. um or at least a version of what it was um so he was very much involved in kind of the early stages of of what disney world has become um, but Steamboat Willie in 1928 is the third Mickey Mouse short cartoon, and it's the first cartoon that features synchronized sound. Mm. And the whistle. He was also, yeah, he was in the music, and he was really improved the quality of music in cartoons with his what he called silly symphonies. Mm-hmm. The first of which is the Skeleton Dance in 1929, mm-hmm. which we used to. It was on a VHS tape that we would get from the public library that we we used to watch and imitate and crack up at the Skeleton Dance short. If you want to watch that, go on YouTube. It's great. Yes, it's great. <laughs> um, and Ub Eworks, his partner, single-handedly drew and animated that entire short. Apparently, wow. But. Uh, and the next big thing is Snow White. Uh, it was a four-year-long production um, on what ultimately becomes the first feature-length animated movie. Um, it was a huge success, but at the time it was kind of referred to as Disney's folly um, based on the amount of money that was being poured into this movie and the amount of time. And, and people thought that it was like a one point. Six million or something like that. It was like over one and a half million dollars mm-hmm. or something to produce, which is nuts back in thirty seven. Right, and four years long. I mean, we talked about. Yeah. I think it was Frankenstein. You know, started production, had preview screenings, finished production all in the span of just, and was released all in the span of a few months. Mm-hmm. Like they did it all real, real quick. And this was four year long production, but ultimately it paid off. It was a huge success. We'll talk a little bit more about the reception afterwards and. But for the purposes of this, you know, they went on to do Pinocchio and Fantasia and then Dumbo and Bambi. And then World War II happens. And the costs of these movies just couldn't be justified. And the, the amount of money that they were bringing in wasn't, they were losing money on a lot of these movies. Ah. And so they ended up doing, during the war, 
um, these package films that are basically just made up of short cartoons to that they package together into a feature-length thing to kind of tide them over, and then they come back with Cinderella in the 1950s, and then go on from there, and he gets involved with Disneyland and television and live-action movies like Mary Poppins, which goes on to win five Oscars, and Mm -hmm. just super, super influential, and is really basically the father of feature-length animated movies, which are some of the highest-grossing movies of all time um, today, and... On the downside, he did participate in the Red Scare congressional hearings and named names as as for people that he said were communist agitators and kind of became increasingly more um, conservative politically throughout his his career and, and huh. to the point you know where he named names during that thing and so there's a little bit of a huh. smudge on a otherwise pretty you know Darn. amazing influential impressive figure yeah. And his legacy is so massive. It you know it it might be, I would say it's probably it might be safe to say that his legacy and everything that he accomplished and did for the media industry, not mm-hmm. just film industry, is this is probably the biggest name and most influential name that we will might encounter on this entire list. Yeah, and I'm no uh, music um, industry historian, but I'm I'm telling you, there's he's got to have done so much for pop music, like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I don't know. That's really all I got on on Walt Disney. There's so much more. I didn't. I know that we could spend you know entire podcast lengths just talking about his life and the crazy stuff that that he's been involved in and all the different ways that he's influenced and touched the film industry and and media in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I I was like oh maybe I should try and make this a little bit more concise. So that's kind of everything I like that I had to talk about for this for the. Uh, in the context of this movie, but did you have anything you wanted to add on Walt Disney or anything? Um, not so much on Walt Disney, and this may segue us into the other characters of the movie, um, but the mm-hmm. actress who voiced Snow White, um, he, like, owned her contract and kind of, like, boxed her out of doing anything else and of being the voice of anything else or doing any other acting, really. Um, oh, Wow. And she like until I think she had like one other small part in um, she was like an extra in some other thing. I forget what it was, but like her career was kind of just like, I mean, I think she was well off and I don't think she was like, mm-hmm. you know, like upset about it too, too much from what I've gathered. But yeah, he like totally, I don't know, like a little too controlling. It was just like, yeah, OK, this is Snow White and nobody gets to know who she really is and nobody gets to use her voice for anything else because she's uh our princess and um wow uh, but she was like a really good like operatic her name is what is it like on something castellini or something like that yeah i don't have it down here um yeah but that's crazy and you one that ties in with something else you know we think of disney as disney princesses and princesses and princes this is the only this is the first disney princess and it's the only one that happens until cinderella again yeah that's crazy which is like 15 years later Mm mm-hmm um and that so there's not that many disney princesses i think in his lifetime there's snow white there is cinderella and there's sleeping beauty and i think that's it yeah i mean until the golden age i guess and whenever we we were little kids and they started cranking them out (laughs) they're like we can make a lot of money off of this so Um, but yeah i thought that was interesting how he kind of just like um he was very much in charge of everything and mm-hmm. maybe a little too in charge at certain aspects, but 
Um, I watched some like behind the scenes thing, some extra thing for the movie, and for the most part, he it didn't seem like he was that you know leader just like ruling over everybody but a lot of times he was like in there with the animators doing a lot of the work and contributing ideas himself so um yeah i don't know i think it's important to bring up some negative things about walt disney Mm -hmm. um because he he was a man he was not perfect or anything like that he shouldn't be idolized but um the rest of this yeah we'll probably just be like man he's so cool (laughs) (laughs) and i'm a huge disney world like fanboy Mm -hmm. um it's if I, if it were up to me, like every vacation that I would ever have in my life, <laughs> like I would have no, if like, if I, if someone said like, you can only go one place like on Disney? vacation for the rest of your life, I was like, eh, I'd probably pick Disney World. Like, <laughs> I like the idea. I love going to all kinds of different places, but if I could, I only had to pick one, that might be my, <laughs> my one spot. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I don't have anything else on any other people involved in the production of this. Um, I just have some concepts, some technical things to, to talk about and explain. Yeah. Uh, do you want to so, do that before? Do we want to kind of dive into the story? Or what do you want? Right. I think we should probably do it a little before because okay. it, it's, it might be harder. It's kind of all over. It's, it's, this is our first animated movie. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to talk about a little bit about animation. And it's also our first color movie. So yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about color technicolor yeah let's and do it. so cell animation um is what is hand-drawn cell 2d cell animation is how this movie's made and so essentially you have you have different um drawings stacked on top of one another so you have a cell or you have you know you have a the character will be drawn on one piece of paper that's clear and then you will have the background um drawn on another piece of paper and then you'll and then the other characters on you know other, and you just kind of stack them all up and line them all up mm-hmm. and that's what how you do it um but uh sometimes they can be on glass or or anything but they're kind of laid on top and cell comes from celluloid so that's one frame that gets captured by a camera one frame at a time mm-hmm. and Oftentimes how this movie would work in a lot of these movies, you have lead animators and they may be in charge of one character. So you might have an animator that's in charge of Snow White and then another one for the Evil Queen. And they would kind of be in charge with drawing the major parts of this character. And then they would really, or, or they might be in charge of one scene. And then like, you know, there's so many directors for this movie and each director kind of was in charge of a different portion of the movie. Mm-hmm. and they would with their lead animators they would draw the the keyframes of the of the scene i think they they had it the the description that i was doing is like if you have a character that's jumping over a cliff the lead animator might draw the the frame of them jump you know beginning the jump and then maybe one or two frames you know as they're in midair doing the jump and then the frame of them landing again or mm-hmm. something on the other side of the cliff yeah. and then you'd have the uh, assistant animators who or that are called in betweeners or tweeners that would fill in the gaps and draw take what the key, the lead animator did and then draw the other fill in frames in between each one of those kind of key things and it just it's this massive team it's effort that is team. very divided up so it's like okay you y'all will handle the queen and her dungeon y'all will handle the dwarves in the mine you'll handle Snow White in the cottage or whatever, and uh, we'll come together and bring it all together. And so there's, you know, storyboarding prior to all this and everything. And, and uh, 
and then you know they would kind of practice it out and everything and then you have to get it all synced up with the sound too so you know if there's they record this it's just a very very complex process so many people that involved um, and if you think about a, a movie shot usually in 24 frames per second so that's 24 drawings you know for every second of film yeah and it's a that's an hour and 30 minutes town. or something like that that's a lot of drawings yeah and they're all hand drawn this is not a thing where it's like you can replicate you know in a computer or anything at this stage you have to hand draw everything out individually there was a something it's on the extras so we didn't talk about i guess we have seen it a million times but when and where we watched it i watched it on disney plus um oh yeah me too i watched this on disney plus as well and they had like extras underneath it's like after i watched it or before i watched it it was like just went over to extras and had some little documentaries about it but they had one about i forget what they were called now so not like the tweeners or some name like that um but they had like a whole staff of women artists women animators um and Mm. they were like they would paint them they would colorize like the cells um and i forget mm-hmm. what that task was but i mean not only do you have these main animators and then the assistant animators the tweeners or whatever then you've also got all these um people that are like finalizing and you know coloring everything too um and yeah that's not even we haven't even gotten to sound yet <laughs> it's just like right. this must have been the biggest production i think the sound is generally done before but yeah. still but still sound engineering so i was talking about maybe how Walt Disney, you know, probably had a big hand to play in what modern, the modern pop industry is now, I guess, pop music industry. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also did just so much innovation and so much, uh, I guess, technological advances for audio engineering and for sound editing and for sound recording and production. Um, And yeah, that was, that's probably the most fascinating part of this movie for me. Um, I forget what the term is, but it's like, you know, they have the, it's like people who would watch the film and have the footage in front of them and then they would, you know, record stuff along with it. So like uh they're washing clothes, the animals are washing clothes in a scene and oh, you have to uh, Foley. Foley, yes, that's right. All of that work is incredible in this movie and um, you know, they have these sound engineers, these famous sound engineers from that work with Disney that create these like crazy contraptions to make all sorts of really cool sounds. Um, and there's one song that they talked about in one of those do- little documentary extras for this movie. Um, but I'll get to that once we talk about that scene or that song that's coming up. Um, but yeah, man, okay, there's cool. just, it's such a big, such a big production. You said how and many I didn't years? watch those extras. I need to, I love that Disney plus has extras for their movies. I need to go back and watch some of those. Yeah. It's like special features on DVDs. Mm-hmm. I miss those. <laughs> Yeah. Do you ha- did you ask me a question earlier? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, how many years was the production again? It started in like 33 or 32. It was, it was a four-year-long production to make this movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, a lot of hand So cramps. the other technical things. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, Technicolor. Let's talk about Technicolor. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first movie in color on the list. There are there were movies in color prior to this, so it's it's not pioneering this by any means, but... You know, since it's the first one that we've encountered, let's talk about color. So this one employed a, a process called three-strip Technicolor, where you have three strips of film going through the camera, and they're each picking up a different color. And then kind of like, you know, printers are like CY, like, what is it, cyan, yellow, magenta, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And those three color inks combine to to create all the colors that you need to print. It's kind of a similar process as a, oh, okay. at least that's how I understood it. 
So you have three strips of film that are each there to to um, get different colors, and then you combine them into the into the one strip in the camera, and that's how they are able to record uh, or capture color um, through the Technicolor. But it's really it began and really gets and gets popularized in the 30s. Um, it's one of the earliest examples of this process is Snow White, and and uh, gets ex- used extensively through the 1950s and it's really notable Technicolor is for its really bright vibrant saturated kind of colors yeah. that you get with it uh, those are definitely on display here I mean the, the easiest example that I can think of is The Wizard of Oz is Technicolor uh-huh. and that is just like the most vibrant types of colors that you know and we'll get to talk about that movie pretty soon actually yes, we will. but the only other piece of technology that I think is really notable is the multiplane camera. Yep, glad you which, brought it up. Yep. Yeah, that was kind of developed by Disney for this movie, basically. Um, it's a vertical downward-facing camera system, and then they would put glass panes with the images um, underneath it on different levels, and you could move the, you could move them closer or further from the camera. The camera can pull focus and zoom in and out kind of a thing to create depth and zooming in and out and all kinds of different cool effects that we will talk about in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most notable one is the really cool thing that happens when the queen is transforming. That's, that was done with the multiplane camera. Mm. And uh, that's, it, it was such a revolutionary thing because when you think of animated movies, they're very flat or static. Yeah, and move left to right, yeah. Right, and this like you think I like the old Hanna Barbera Scooby Doo things. It's just you know kind of like that, where it's just like you know left to right or mm-hmm. just still. And this one you can push in, and you could do all kinds of really cool things because of the multi camera, the multi plane camera. Yep. To capture the the frames, the animated frames. Um, but that's all I got behind the scenes. Um, I'm ready to dive into the movie now. Uh, one quick last thing on those extras. They talked oh, sure. about some. Uh, some hotshot guy from Caltech or something like that who came in to work with the multi multiplane uh multiplane or multiplane plane yeah plane uh camera and so like the first day you know he went up there and put the camera on top and then it uh, wasn't like latched in and it uh, shattered and went through all the pain oh, the no. planes and everything and broke everything and he was gone that was his last day of work <laughs> Oh my god. But super like, you know, new technology, super expensive, super cool, but yeah, it seemed like a lot of work and I guess the way they film it is they just have to like change the images like really quick, like like do they do it like stop motion, like take a photo kind of thing or do you Yeah, do I think it is like that where yeah, okay. you just you take a picture kind of a thing and then you you switch it around and then you and then uh you do so the next much one. work that must have taken so mm-hmm. long apart from drawing each individual thing like th- this process yes what a yeah, what a mammoth of a task here no kidding all right let's get into it okay first we have the credits and they're in color and it's so vibrant looking and just it's like we used to go see these these movies in the dallas area that were like comedy murder mystery things but oh, they yeah. were they were in black and white or they called it like living black and white so all the 
the sets and the characters and everything, the live performers were in black and white makeup and clothes and, and everything like that. And at the very end, they would always, whenever they were thanking, you know, taking their bows, they would have one lady come out in this bright red dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, ah, your eyes like burn after watching this like two hour black and white thing. And so I kind of felt like that. It was just like, it was just like waking up in a new world to see <laughs> all of the, the color. That, we're going um, back to black and white after this, credits. right? <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a storybook, and it looks live action. Uh-huh. Um, it kind of opens up, and the music, Someday My Prince Will Come, we get a little taste of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we get the words on the storybook say, Once upon a time, there lived a lovely little princess named Snow White. Her vain and wicked stepmother, the queen, feared that someday Snow White's beauty would surpass her own. Mm -hmm. So she dressed the little princess in rags and forced her to work as a scullery maid. Each day, the vain queen consulted her magic mirror, magic mirror on the wall who was the fairest one of all. And as long as the mirror answered, you are the fairest one of all, Snow White was safe from the queen's cruel jealousy. And then from there, we go to the actual cartoon movie thing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, what the heck is a scullery maid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no idea what the hell that is. <laughs> it is a kitchen maid's assistant that is primarily responsible for cleaning the dishes, cleaning the kitchen, cleaning the vegetables, um, plucking the feathers off of birds, um, all the kind of like, it's the lowest of the low gotcha. um, when it comes to like servants in the kitchen. Yep, too so pretty. The princess is the working yeah. as the scullery maid because the the stepmother evil queen does not uh, does not like her. <laughs> She's a little bit jelly. Mm-hmm. Um, she okay, and then it cuts to the queen, right? Yep, and we get a push in on the castle. Uh-huh. Yeah, the cool. the camera, or you know, the it just it zooms in on the castle. We go in through the window, and we see the the evil queen walking up to her, the magic mirror and my note is just like, damn, this is impressive. Yeah. Just like this, like it, like it looks like the camera goes up to the castle and then like into the, into the castle where we see the queen. And it just, it is very, very well done. There's probably like, I don't know. I don't know how long that must've taken, but that has to be so frustrating to do that. And you just like slightly zoom in and then, okay, switch everyone, get a new picture on all your panes and, Okay, we got a new picture on there. Okay, and then we're going to zoom in a little bit more. Okay, quick, next picture. Like, that must have taken forever to do a zoom in or like a... Well, I feel like it's probably easier with this because it's all the same picture. Yeah, I guess guess that's fair. Because it's just a background, Mm -hmm. and there's no characters that are moving. There's no movement in the actual um, drawing. So the only movement would be the camera. Okay, well, that's a lot easier. (laughs) Yeah, it could be just like you're moving the... I don't know if you're moving the background closer up or you're, move, you know, you're, you're focusing in and zooming in on this camera. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, but so it is like, um, that is probably like an actual, an shot. actual live action camera shot. Which is, it was pretty cool. It worked. It worked with the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we get the, we get the line, which is often misquoted. And if you were to say, what does, you know, what is, how does she address the magic mirror? How, it, like, Everyone in and their mother would say, Everyone "Mirror, says, mirror on the wall." Mm-hmm. You know who is the fairest one of the of all? Mm-hmm. But, but isn't the it magic actual, mirror on the wall. Yeah, the actual line is "Magic mirror on the wall." Who is the fairest of them all? 
not fairest one of all and not mirror mirror. Uh-huh. It's magic mirror. And so I was like, whoa, that's that's a weird thing that like, you know, it's like, no, it's like Luke, I am your father never gets said. It's mm-hmm. no, I am your father. It's it's not mirror mirror. It's magic mirror. Um, but really the the magic mirror looks really cool too yeah it does the little face the little like green the, face the, the, the green floating mirror. face with the flames and the smoke and space through wind and darkness i summon thee speak let me see thy face what wouldst thou know my queen magic mirror on the wall who is the fairest one of all? Famed is thy beauty, majesty. But hold, a lovely maid I see. Rags cannot hide her gentle grace. Alas, she is more fair than thee. Alas for her. Reveal her name. Lips red as the rose. Hair black as ebony, skin white as snow. Snow white. Base, I just my notes just say, uh oh, Snow White's now prettier. Um, <laughs> she's you know the queen's been prettier this whole time, but Snow White is now the prettiest one of all. My uh, and, uh, my notes for this scene are the queen's voice. The voice acting is really good. Um, yeah, I forget who does that, but the way she who is the fairest of them all, mm-hmm. you know. It's mirror, mirror. She sounds very regal, but also really twisted. Yes, I I thought that was really cool. I mean, there's not too much. I don't know, not too much I can say really about the acting, but that that scene, her <laughs> voice was really great. <laughs> great acting yeah. there, and she looks so great too. She's she's good looking, but also terrifying. Mm-hmm. She's not ugly. Mm-hmm. She's, I mean, it, w- it makes sense that she would be in the running for, like, fairest one of all kind of a thing. Yeah. But then we go outside and we see Snow White, and she's, like, scrubbing the steps outside by a, we- by a well. Uh-huh. And she's wearing rags, and there's some birds following her. She go- goes to get water from the well, and she starts singing a song yeah. about it being a wishing well. I'm and wishing. I'm yeah, and wishing. echoing. And just the reflection uh, in the water and the ripples look yeah. so cool. Yeah, and I wanted to, this is the scene I wanted to talk about, the sound editing in. Um, to get that echo, so they had the the actress who voices Snow White, she sang this song, and then they mm-hmm. got a speaker and a microphone, and they went into the bathroom, and they were going to record it in there, but it's like mostly dudes that worked at disney back then so they went to the girls bathroom <laughs> where there was like less or no people in there um and mm-hmm. they got the echo for all of these things in the well so i thought that was kind of cool so and cool. creative i'm wishing i'm wishing for the one i love to find me to find me today But I like this song. I didn't remember it whenever I heard it again, like a, a day or two ago when I watched this movie. But I like this little song. It's nice. Yeah. And her voice is. I so don't good. like, but I don't like her voice. What? Um, <laughs> I like. I don't. I don't like the way that she talks. I just. I don't like that old-fashioned kind of like. 
like uh it's just sounds like really condescending like oh don't you like when she's like oh you must be grumpy later on like oh, i yeah. don't <laughs> like i'm like it's a little cringy to me but uh it's not perfect but, <laughs> it's not perfect but I, but it's a gr- I, I do think that this is a great movie but uh mm-hmm. i always laugh in this whenever the whenever she's like Whenever she's singing, and then the prince is yes. the, 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 arrives. Today, screams like, <laughs> <laughs> like right in her ear. Scared the shit out of me. Yeah, uh, yeah, I burst out laughing when I watched this again. I was like, we gotta talk about that thing, man. She's yes. all like sweet and you know lightly singing about you know i'm wishing for the you know the love of my life to show up someday and take me away from this terrible job and then he's like it's gonna be today (laughs) classic opera voice too i love it (laughs) it's so funny and uh hopefully we'll just be able to drop the clip in there so we'll be able to laugh as we did um and she runs off she's she's terrified (laughs) yeah she's like what the hell is this guy (laughs) And uh, he's keep he's singing to her, and as she's like in her tower, kind of like very Romeo and Juliet, and he's mm-hmm. like, "One song I have, but one song, whatever." And uh, I miss the rest of it. Yeah, whatever. It, yeah, and then it pans up to the queen, and she's all pissed off and watching all of this happening too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Snow White, a bird lands on her finger. She kisses the bird. And then the bird flies down and kisses the prince. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a little cute, little flirty. Nice little meat cute. Yeah, that, that thing again. We've discussed before. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we go to the one of the darkest scenes in the movie where the queen is ordering her faithful huntsman to take Snow White into the woods and kill her. But to make doubly sure, bring back her heart in this box. <laughs> And my note just says, dark as shit. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> Jealousy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a family movie. Um, <laughs> and we are about six minutes into the movie, probably. And we're talking about, like, remove her heart, cut it out of her body, and put it in this box so that I know she's dead. Yeah, oh, my God. And then we, from there, we cut to Snow White dressed not in rags uh, in the fields with the hunts picking flowers, and the huntsman's kind of just watching from afar. And mm-hmm. she gets distracted, cheering up a little bird who's away from her, his family. And the huntsman sneaks up on her from behind with his knife, and he, she, tur- and it's really menacing music building. And she turns around, he raises the knife, but he can't do it, mm-hmm. and. He reveals the queen's intentions and tells Snow White to run away and never come back. Um, And then we get a really trippy um, scene of her running through the woods. The trees grabbing her and stuff, yeah. Right, all all the tree branches, yeah, turning into like hands that are grabbing her and different monsters and animals and stuff. And she's running aimlessly and then eventually she just collapses crying on the ground. And... Walt Disney instructed his animators to watch and be influenced by a number of movies, um, but German expressionism films like Nosferatu and The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari um, really were big influences on this movie. Our Sunrise Director, yay! Yeah, the Sunrise (laughs) Director, and I think you can see it most in these kinds of sequences in the woods. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, and in The Evil Queen and her evil... The creepiest, you know, transformation thing ever that we'll talk about later yeah. on. But. And the Dwarf's Cottage, too, I thought was very yeah stylized mm-hmm. like that. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing you're talking about, he had the 
animators watch a bunch of stuff um Mm -hmm. one thing that they did another cool production technique that they kind of developed i guess um they had live actors actually like they would film them too um and you know dance and move and run and stuff like that so that they could better draw um more like accurate humans and stuff like that i think that was like one thing that was going to be like um I don't know, people didn't really have faith in in the film industry back then. They're like, you can't draw like realistic people. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, this is going to just look all cartoony and you can't have people paying attention to a cartoon for an hour and a half. Like, like this is crazy. But yeah, they had like actual actors and stuff. Cause I was really like questioning when I was watching the scene of her running through the forest, like why the hell is, and she does this through the whole movie. She just walks around like she's like ballet dancing or she's just like, her hands are always up in the air and she's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's very weird, but, <laughs> but then like it's I saw the big, broad kind of silent movie acting. Yes. Yes. It's silent movie acting. That's exactly what it is. Um, yeah. And I was just like, where the hell do they get that? And then I watched the extras and they had like actors, like an actress actually walking around like that. I was like, Oh, there it is. <laughs> like because next the animals like she's crying right and then a bunch of animals like because she's just got this power animals just really love her um apparently yeah and she can like speak to them they can understand her or something but all these animals come and find her in the forest or something comfort her and they like lead Mm -hmm. her to the dwarf's house yeah and they do so with the they cheer up with with a smile and a song mm -hmm. song yeah, because the uh, birds starts you know singing. But there's a scene wherever they like mm-hmm. get on this hill. They're like up at the top of the hill, like running down towards the um, the cottage. And she like gets up to the mm-hmm. top of the hill, and she like, like you know when you're stretching and yawning, you're like, oh, extend your arms out, like up there. Right. She like does something mm-hmm. like that whenever she sees. It. I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, do I made it to the top of the hill, and let's go. <laughs> it's like so whimsical and just mm-hmm. weird, but. Um, but weird also if it was a real person princess stuff. Yes, entitled princess stuff. Weird if this happened in real life, but mm-hmm. it, it makes sense in this movie. <laughs> One note here that I have is I was like the human the, the drawings of the humans look look okay. Yes. But the animals look really good yes. and the dwarves look really good. Yes, I agree. It's not Snow White perfect probably human. is the least is the worst drawn character in the movie, I think. Really? Or yeah. the prince, excuse me, the prince probably. Yeah, he doesn't get like any character development or any like no. real. I bet you he didn't have just have, there like, to a sing dedicated... one song. <laughs> yeah, he just says, <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you cut out all of the middle part of this movie, if you just have up to where he screams in her ear and then kisses to wake her up, it's as if, like, you could watch the movie as, like, if he scared her to death and then revives her. <laughs> With true love's kiss. <laughs> all right, I'm going to get to work editing that. All right. <laughs> right. This also, with whenever you're talking about her and her the animals, I was like, maybe this is like maybe our first superhero movie. She's got a superpower of <laughs> she does. being able to communicate with uh, animals. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty useful uh, one. Right. But she gets, uh, she talks to the animals about needing a place to stay, and so they take her to a little house they know that looks just like a doll's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, she looks through the window um, and knocks on the door, and no one's home. And then my note. <laughs> Pardon my language, but in my note, I just put, this bitch just invites herself in. 
Falcon sees evidence that seven little children must live there and that it's filthy, and she thinks that maybe if I clean it, they'll let me stay. Yeah. But, like, it's the most entitled princess behavior ever. It's like Goldilocks, you yes. know? She just kind of walks in, and luckily it's it's dwarves that live there and not bears. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so she divides up responsibility of cleaning this place to the animals and they begin cleaning while they singing the song Just Whistle While You Work. I like this song. It is a great song and it's I mean it's it's like this one and Spoonful of Sugar and Mary Poppins are like the two like most commonly used songs that are so iconic for this idea of like something to sing while you're working or while you're cleaning or organizing something yeah doing something you don't like to do well just whistle while you work (laughs) just a spoonful Mm -hmm. of sugar or just a spoonful of sugar yeah it's the same it's they both songs serve the same kind of purpose in their in the storytelling wonder if this origin like this song came up with like all the animators being grumpy i bet you there's like some you know insider story or something where everyone was fed up and wanted to quit and then walt's like oh i got an idea just whistle while you work <laughs> like just keep going because i'm not gonna let you stop <laughs> yeah right oh, man. next up we get to meet the dwarves the titular dwarves they're in their mine and uh, my notes just say they look great um yeah. they're each a, a distinct character mm-hmm. with a distinct look and there's actually one scene when I was watching, I had to stop and rewind because I was like, did they just add an extra dwarf in here that's just like, around, like I, th- I miscounted, but so they did not. I thought I found a mistake where they like did something, but uh, they look great and they're singing um, I Ho. Yep. It starts off with the we dig, 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 dig thing. And then eventually the clock sounds and it's Hi Ho, it's home from work, we go. Yep. But... Uh, my other note that I have here is like Dopey is is made for little kids and he is the high point. I'm that's the one thing I remember from watching this movie from when I was a kid is like Dopey's funny. Yeah. I like Dopey. Yeah, Dopey's that's <laughs> that's all I really remember about watching it when I was a kid. Yep, he's great. He's the pantomime character in this. Yeah, he's Harpo basically. Like, yeah, he's Harpo, Charlie Chaplin, whatever. He's the silent funny one. Mm-hmm. Um, but and yeah, that uh, song is awesome. is a great song, too. That's like one of my favorite songs. Like I said, it's on that little Casio keyboard thing we had. Um, mm-hmm. And also just the scene, like, I, I don't know, it's really cool whenever they're walking and they like come towards you kind of and then go a little bit to the left and then go right across like over some log or something and then back yeah. off into the distance. Uh, really With cool. the sun setting behind them and there's a waterfall in the foreground and it looks really, it's really well animated. Yes, it looks really, really good and it has a lot of depth in the shot. It was, yeah, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. There's another funny part. That, so they're mining diamonds, these giant diamonds mm-hmm. in this mine and uh, they they store them all in this little like cave shed thing with a door and then they just hang the key they lock it up but then they hang the key up right outside the door (laughs) yeah (laughs) you have all these priceless diamonds i'm assuming because they're all massively large and bigger than you know bigger than like the heart of the ocean from titanic (laughs) and and, uh they just like leave the key right hanging right by the door for anyone to go in and take dopey like almost forgets it so he locks up he's in charge of doing the you know that work yeah, why do you he, put the one that's named dopey in charge of securing <laughs> securing your valuables i'll never know yeah, never know. doc not a good move um but he locks it up and he takes the key and he's got the key in his hand as he's walking away and he's like oh whoops i forgot and i was like what is he gonna 
and then he hangs it up and it's like oh so everyone can steal it <laughs> mm-hmm. i was like it would have been smarter if you took that with you dopey what the hell <laughs> you're like what a dopey strategy oh yeah, it I makes guess it's sense. in character <laughs> <laughs> oh man but they but, uh, then we go do they go, go to the ahead. house first i think there's a there's a really really cool shot with like a hole a circular hole in some bush across some pond across where the um the cottage is where the dwarves live and mm. it like backs up through the little hole in the bush or something like that and it was like mm-hmm. really really cool camera movement um and yeah i was like if that's in a real movie like a live action movie i would have been like whoa that's a great shot um yeah it's still a great shot it's just in you know cartoon um, but i think it's right before they get there because before they get home um snow white's like oh, i'm so tired from all this cleaning i'm asleep mm-hmm. <laughs> and she like passes out upstairs or something and then i think it zooms yeah, out on all of their beds and she you know that's where we see the names of the of the dwarves carved on the beds and Mm-hmm. Um, their names are Doc, Happy, Sneezy, Dopey, Grumpy, Bashful, and Sleepy. And of course, the, ba- the behind-the-scenes thing was that there was a lot of other names of dwarves that were, you know, In the talked about, or including. And But this is the final list that they ended up going with. Yeah. But yeah, she, she says, I'm a little sleepy myself, lays down. Um, a bird puts out the candle. They tuck her in. All the, the birds, like, pick up a little blanket or sheet or something and cover her up and the little turtle that was going up the stairs, I thought was funny. And then they, you know, as soon as they get there, they hear the dwarves returning home, and the animals run off to watch from the safety of the trees. And the turtle like falls all the way down the stairs just when he had made it all the way up. Yeah, it's like damn it. <laughs> um, um, but they see the dwarves see the the light the lit's light or the, the lights lit. <laughs> Doc is always talking and like weird. He's always getting words mixed around and stuff. Yeah. And uh, they decide they're going to sneak up on whatever's in their home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Dopey, when they get in and Dopey accidentally slams the door closed and there's a funny little thing where they're like, all shush Dopey and he turns around and shushes the door. Yeah. <laughs> v- again, very Harpo. Very like, Harpo. This is like, this is the Marx Brothers sneaking around Mrs. Teasdale's home in Duck Soup. Yep. You know? <laughs> and uh, making all the noise while they're trying to be quiet. And they search through every... Uh, Cook a nanny or a crook and uh, search everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I like that one. That's his best one. <laughs> and uh, they know everything's been cleaned, and and we get a sense of basically all, most if not all, of their personalities in this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just with you know, except for Doc, I'm not certain what his personality is or why he's called Doc. Um, yeah, just, I guess just because he's kind of the leader. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, oh, the other note I have here is if Sneezy got COVID, we'd all be dead. <laughs> yeah, everyone's putting their fingers in his nose to get him to stop sneezing. <laughs> and it's like the most explosive sneeze ever that sends them all flying. <laughs> there's a lot of particulates or whatever that are flying through the air. Oh, yeah, there's one scene where he sneezes and they like fly across the room. There's like, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And some birds are up there on the roof, and they make some noise and scare them. And and but Dopey kind of gets like voluntold to go up and chase whatever <laughs> monster is up there back down. Yep. And uh, he goes up and sees her stretching under the white sheet and thinks it's some sort of ghost or monster and r- screams and runs away and does a pantomime, the funny pantomime about like what it kind of monster is up there sleeping and he's like got his horn fingers up for horns and his tongue is like flicking in and out <laughs> it's a funny little moment yep but, but then uh, they go up there and they yeah. see snow white 
Yeah, they go in to kill it, but they find Snow White. And uh, Grumpy's got a really weird line here. Um, <laughs> if we Hopefully we can find and drop it in. But basically he's like, all females are poison. Uh, they're full of wicked wiles. And someone's like, what are wicked wiles? And he goes, I don't know, but I'm against them. <laughs> so stupid, but all females are poison. She's a female, and all females is poison. Snow White wakes up, sees the dwarves at the foot of their bed. They, they're like big, big noses like pop up one by one on the foot of the bed. Mm-hmm. And she guesses all of their names correctly. And uh, they learn that she is the princess. So they are kind of aware of the politics of the kingdom that they're living in <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> they know that she is the princess and they know about the evil queen. And, mm-hmm. and they talk about, she tells them that the stepmother, the, her, the queen will kill her. if She goes back or gets found. And, and Grumpy talks about the queen having magic, and and they agree that she can stay if she cleans, and most importantly, cooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they've kind of reached an agreement. What Snow White anticipated might happen has happened. So she lucked out again. If this was Goldilocks and this was Bears, she'd be, she, uh, she'd be dead by now, yeah. and this movie would be over a lot sooner. Don't go break and enter into people's houses just to clean them, and like hopefully you'll get a place to stay, people. Like, that's just not a good strategy. <laughs> right. Enchanted, the, the Amy Adams movie, does a really great play on like the princess, the ideas of like what is accepted as normal in the Disney right. princess world and like touches on some of that stuff, and I think yeah. it's a genius movie, by the way. Funny. A little aside. <laughs> um... What else now? Oh, she's been cooking soup the whole time, so they're going to have some soup for dinner, and they go downstairs to eat, but they have to wash up first, so they go outside and and wash their hands with a little funny song of, like, the whatever noise that I get. And uh, everyone but Grumpy washes willingly, and they force him to wash, and Dopey does something like he accidentally eats soap or something. Yeah, he eats a bar of soap. <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> and... Uh, they finish washing, supper's ready, and they're eating supper. And then we cut back to the queen, and we learn that the she's asking the magic mirror again, who's fairest, and he still says Snow White. And she's like, that can't be, because I've got this box with a heart in it. And the mirror reveals, like, that is the, a, heart, a pig's heart or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, real dark detail, yeah. real yeah yikes like you th- you would not get away with including these kinds of details in a in a kids animated movie these days no i mean it's from the brothers grim i think that part was in the brothers grim story i don't know i, I imagine I haven't read it but i imagine <laughs> yeah i haven't read it either but you always hear how how really like dark and twisted those and graphic those stories are mm-hmm but she's pissed off that she's been tricked, and she goes into the dungeon, and she starts going through her magic spell books and finds one to transform her beauty into a peddler's disguise using the, you know, very easily obtainable, she's just got them in her stores, like these ingredients including a mummy's dust, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the black of night, um, an old hag's cackle, a scream of fright, a blast of wind, and a thunderbolt. And all of these things happen to ha- occur right back to back with one another. 
or she has some some way bottled black yeah, of night bottled, and yeah. an old hag's cackle <laughs> and it's like all of these things she's got um it makes a potion um and she begin she drinks it and begins transforming into the creepiest cr- disturbing cartoon character that's probably ever been drawn no oh, yeah uh, <laughs> scary to transform my beauty into ugliness. Change my queenly raiment to a peddler's cloak. Mummy dust. To make me old. To shroud my clothes. The black of night. To age my voice. An old hag's cackle. <laughs> Whiten my hair, a scream of fright. A blast of wind to fan my head. A thunderbolt to mix it well. Paolo, my wife, like, is terrified of <laughs> what she calls, like, the old hag mm-hmm. is, I think, this what this disguise is called. And uh, there's, so when we were at Disney World, there, there's the Snow White ride. Mm-hmm. Um, we went not that long ago. Um, and uh, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train roller coaster at the, it's really cool. You go through the mine and you, you slow down in there. It's like, um, and you see the dwarf animatronics, you know, um, uh, mining for the diamonds and, and they're singing hi ho and then at the very end you go past their cabin and you see them doing like the dance scene of, mm-hmm. from the movie that we haven't talked about quite yet but yep. uh and then right outside the door is the old hag with her um apple. poisoned apple and i was like hey look look and she was like nope nope she freaked out <laughs> and like what does not like looking at this character it like just creeps her out well in the old but roller coaster she... an old ride i guess uh, not a roller coaster but the old ride like there was this scene where you like turn around the corner and it's right after the queen changes um and mm-hmm. she like whips around the animatronic like whips around and has the the cackle and used to scare the crap out of us but i remember one time our older brother tony was yes. right behind <laughs> us and he like made that scream later on in the ride and just almost wet my pants i was so scared <laughs> yeah cackle. and it's a great effect that they do in that ride i think it's still in disneyland but it looks like you see the back of the evil queen 
um, standing in front of the magic mirror with her hands up. So you just see her back and you see the queen's reflection in the mirror, I think. Yeah. But then she, the, the animatronic turns around and it's the, it's the uh, old hag um, discussing version of, of the queen. Fun fact um, about that. Um, terrifying. We'll talk about So in the next scene, we've got the dancing uh, coming up here. Um, yes. But that scene was done with humans, you know, so they could get the drawing right of how to dance and everything. Wait, the dancing scene? Uh-huh. They like filmed... Wait, hold on. Before we go into that, I want to keep talking about the transformation oh, scene really quick. I do too. Um, so there's uh, the dancing oh, okay. scene. They use humans, but then for the, the old hag and stuff like that, they used... Um, they used a human for her towards the end of it, um, but mm. it was a little fun fact that was actually acted by a man, and <laughs> they oh, really? used the photo of him that they like dressed him up and uh, you know put the nose with like a big like mole or wart you know on it and everything and uh, mm -hmm. all the stringy hair and everything and like I think that's what they used. They used his image to uh, <laughs> make this creepy, creepy, scary lady. Those but, big bug eyes and yes. one like little tooth and just yeah. ugh. <laughs> but yeah, it's actually acted by a man in real life. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I believe it. It, it. It's a creepy, weird looking, and just. <laughs> but uh, so anyways, the, the the transformation scene itself is super impressive. Um, and just like, okay, so the set and everything and all of this stuff looks really creepy and just looks really cool. Very reminiscent of, you know, Frankenstein yes. or and any of those kinds of things. And then, um, when she starts, she drinks the poison, the poison, the potion, and she drops the potion, the glass that she was drinking out of. And then the, the, the space around her appears to rotate and just spin as she's transforming. And you, you see like her hair growing, you know, gray and then mm -hmm. her hands getting all twisted. And, and it's just, it is very like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of a transformation type yeah. of thing. But the rotating thing, the spinning effect was done with the multiplane camera. Mm -hmm. And it is so impressive to, to think about like, how did they accomplish this kind of thing? It just looks so dynamic and, yeah, wow. and not what you would expect from, from a cartoon, especially at this time frame. And it's a super, super um, just effective transformation scene. And, and yeah, it really kind of, it's, it, it's amazing. It's one of my, it's probably my single favorite shot or moment in the movie. Hmm. Um, and then she goes to make a poisoned apple with sleeping death. And one taste of a poisoned apple and the victim's eyes will close forever in the sleeping death. Dot, dot, dot. Later on, she'll turn the page to see what the heck the rest of it was going on. <laughs> so, oh, she reads this. She hasn't made the apple yet, but uh, she reads that that's what she's going to do. Mm -hmm. um, then we go to the dwarves back and they're playing music and yodeling and dancing. Mm -hmm. Really fun scene. They're all enjoying the company of each other and... That's mm -hmm. probably one of the more famous scenes, I think, in the movie. And Dopey gets on the head of, not the shoulders, he stands on one of the other dwarf's heads. Um, mm -hmm. and puts on Sneezy. A big, sneezy and puts on a big coat um, and dances with Snow White. And, yeah, that was a cool little I scene. I immediately thought of Muppet Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Muppet Man. <laughs> when they stand space. on top of each other with a big, like, trench coat. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> But there's also like a funny thing of like the Adam's apple of someone yodeling and Dopey's like watching the little Adam's <laughs> apple like going up and down yep. and uh, Grumpy's ass as he's like playing the organ yeah. <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's so weird and bizarre. <laughs> um, but like I said, Sneezy's underneath 
um, on the bottom half of the of the uh, Muppet Man is what I'm going to call it, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Sneezy eventually sneezes, and that kind of ends the song and dance thing, and and then there it's bedtime, but they ask for a story, mm-hmm. and Snow White tells a story about to them about her falling in love with a prince, Once and she sings. Was the princess you? <laughs> yeah. She's like, why, yes, or whatever. <laughs> yep, yep, it's me. This is my life story, everybody. <laughs> and then she sings, Someday My Prince Will Come. Yeah. Which, you know, the two biggest songs in this movie are Hi Ho and, and this one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the clock goes off. It, it's a good song. I think that we get a reprise of it later on, which I think I like the reprise version of it better because it's yeah. just a little bit more magnificent, I guess. The clock goes off. It's past bedtime. So um, Doc says Snow White can sleep upstairs and they'll sleep downstairs. And there's one pillow and Dopey sneaks off to claim it. But uh, as soon as as uh, she gets upstairs and closes the door, they all fight over the pillow and tear it to shreds. Yeah. And <laughs> they immediately fall asleep in like all kinds of different uh, cabinets and pots and sinks and and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And and Dopey has like a little scene where he's like dreaming like a dog dreams. Mm-hmm. Like he's like barking kind of whimpering in his, <laughs> in his sleep. And uh someone's like using his butt as a pillow and Yeah. Uh, and Snow White prays too. She prays before she goes weird. to sleep. Yeah, I didn't remember this and I was like, "Oh, you don't see this today either." She's like she prays and thanks God for the dwarves and and hopes that Grumpy will like her. That's um, just like a, before she goes to sleep. A definite like, I don't know, testament of the times, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Because in other Disney movies and stuff, you don't really see that. You know, you see them like wishing upon stars and things like that, and just like right. speaking to some, maybe some, you know, great power or deity or something. But um, yeah, this one was like she was praying, praying to god mm-hmm. and i was like there's a little bit of continuity errors and stuff there when you got you know that god that the audience knows and then um whoever she's talking to also exists in this world where there's magic and you know you can mm-hmm. and, and dwarves and and i don't know it's just like very fantastical but then that like kind of weirdly ground it seemed out of place yeah it does seem it it seemed weird to me and it threw me out of it for a second i was like this is odd and yeah I like the point that you made about like, especially in this world um, where magic exists and there's, you know, magic mirrors on the walls and potions and disguises and things like that. It, it was, it was a little pandering an odd thing to throw in. <laughs> a a, yeah. A little pandering maybe. And yeah, but uh, anyway, so they go to sleep it fade out and then we go to the queen. She's finishing her poisoned apple spell of sleeping death. And, uh, and she's got the, 
She, you know, she offers to it to the crow, and, and she says the famous line, then I'll be fairest in the land. And, yeah. and uh, she's like, oh, man, there might be an antidote before I go. Let me flip the page, because it did have a dot, dot, dot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they, the quote on the other side is like, the victim of sleeping death can be revived only by love's first kiss. And she ain't worried about that, because she's going to be buried alive. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a problem solved. Mm-hmm. Um which is another super dark detail. Yep. <laughs> I'm talking about being buried alive in a children's movie. Yeah, they don't do and that then she though. goes, no, they don't, which by luck or chance, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, she goes down further into the, into the dungeons and boards this boat um, and shoves off into the night. And I always liked how that looked, too. Yeah. Um, that there was like this underwater dock in her dungeons and she shoves off in this boat into the night in the fog and uh, makes her w- starts making her way to Snow White to give her the poisoned apple. Um, yeah, it looks kind of cool. Uh, but let's get to the next yeah. day. So the dwarves go off to work and um, they're like, don't, he's like the queen is pretty tricky and pretty scary and she's got magic mm-hmm. and, well, Grumpy's the one who says this to her. And he's like, don't let any strangers in the house. And she's like, oh, Grumpy. Um, and you care. Yeah. yeah, she's like, you care. He's like, shut up. Um, and she, like, you know, kisses everyone on the head or something before they leave. And Dopey does right. a little gag where he gets in line, like, five times. And he's like, mm-hmm. just keep wanting to get kissed. Um, and then they go but off. But she kisses Grumpy, and he softens a little bit before he goes back to being grumpy, and then they go off to work. That's right. He was the last one. He was like, yeah, oh, I'm a nice person. I care. And then he yeah gets mad again and goes back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's just, like, cooking a pie or something, and then the evil mm-hmm. queen for comes grumpy. up. Oh, for Grumpy. Yeah. She's cooking a pie for Grumpy, um, singing Someday My Prince Will Come, and then she's in the kitchen and a shadow goes over her and there's the evil queen standing in the open window. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she, all alone, my pet. I thought that the, the animals, they attack her first or were they like, they don't like the queen. No, they don't. She just appears like that. Um, okay. But they're like watching or something. The animals are like getting more tense and freaking out because they know. Yeah, so, yeah, she's like, she says, like, the little men aren't here? You're making pies? Oh, it's apple pies that the men folk makes their mouths water or something. And mm-hmm. and she's like, how about, like, an apple like this? You want to try one? And uh, then the some birds, like, fly and try and stop her. That's right. And Snow White shoes them away and, and uh, brings her inside and gets her some water and tries to, like, take care of her because she's just an old lady and... Mm-hmm. and uh, and she's like, shame on the, you animals, you know. Mm-hmm. But so they run off. The animals know what's up, though. And so they run off to go get the dwarves mm-hmm. and uh, who are just arriving at the mines for the work day. Mm-hmm. And uh, they and, and eventually are able to kind of convince the dwarves that the queen has Snow White somehow. I have no idea how they <laughs> communicated what the communicated that exactly. Yeah, don't even worry about it. <laughs> but they rush off, start rushing off back to the house and. And uh, back in the cabin, the, the the queen is talking about it's a magic wishing apple, and one bite and all your dreams will come true, and you can just make a wish and take a bite, and and can able to convince Snow White to take the apple, and and uh, Snow White starts like going into like this super detailed wish, and she's like, I wish. Uh, and then like cuts away to the queen. She's like, well, and, she, and then cuts back to Snow White, and she's like, 
and then we could do this and this. She just sounds like a little kid who's like, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. And the queen's just like, oh my God, eat the apple, eat the apple, eat the yeah, apple. Yeah, she's just, oh my God, just eat the apple. Just Or I'm going to I'm gonna eat this apple if you keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and she's getting so impatient, but just take a, a bite. And finally, she takes a bite and it's all off camera. Uh-huh. Um, it's just focused on the queen's reaction. We hear Snow White saying like, ooh, I feel strange or something. But the queen is like slowly like, reciting the uh the the spell or the poem description the poetic mm-hmm. description of what the sleeping death is talking about like blood congealing and yeah. stuff and then then boom pan down snow white's arm hits the ground the apple ro- rolls off thunder strikes and the queen again repeats the line now i'll be fairest in the land i'm like well not so fast girlfriend you gotta you, you gotta like take that hag. potion back because you <laughs> yeah. look like the least fairest you one in the land right now <laughs> yeah and, and then she's like just kind of like I don't know. She's like leaving the house slowly or something. I remember she kind of was like lingering a little bit, but then the dwarves are like rushing back and like Grumpy's riding a deer and mm-hmm. they're like, you know, charging uh, the house or whatever. And so she's like, oh shit. And she like bolts out of yep, there. Bolts out. It's raining and lightning now. Uh-huh. All of a sudden it was daytime and now it's like a storm. This That's like the biggest storm of the century. Mm-hmm. And she goes to like some cliff or some mountain. She's like, you know still being chased and she's climbing up that and that's where they had this male actor dress up like um a mm. hag and they're like okay so gotcha. we got this scene where she this ugly you know lady that we don't really know exactly what she looks like had a couple different iterations she's going to be climbing up this but we need a human to climb up this weird set kind of thing here so we can draw mm-hmm. it better and the guy was like it was the most exhausting day of work ever i just have to kept climbing all hunched over and everything <laughs> like twenty thousand times and they finally got it but um yeah so she climbs up and they chase 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 and she gets to the top music um, builds 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 there's also these vultures that i don't know if yeah. they're in it towards the beginning whenever uh the huntsmen are about to kill snow white or anything but they're there like just my you know, fir- my death, recollection basically. is they first appear whenever the queen is turned into the hag and she's getting near the dwarves house and yep. they're just kind of they see they watch her and so they from there on they're kind of just kind of following her and they or they appear a couple times throughout mm-hmm. like her little journey around snow white and this dwarves cottage yep and it cuts to them and they're getting more intrigued and everything and mm-hmm. you know she gets up to the top of the uh the mountain or the cliff or whatever it is and she's has a stick and she's trying to you know basically throw this boulder down onto the dwarves and kill mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. And, and lightning strikes and she did yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah lightning bolt strikes the cliff breaks she falls um causing her to fall to her death the rock falls on <laughs> the rock's gonna land on her and then the vultures like slowly begin circling down yep and, like and that's, that's our cue boys that... <laughs> and they get up yeah, yeah. It's super dark. She she gets killed. She, you know, and if she if you think the fall doesn't kill her, then the rocks definitely gonna kill her. Uh-huh. And then if that doesn't, the the vultures will finish off whatever's left. Yep, yep, they got and, it. Uh, then we cut to the dwarves are watching over Snow White in one of their beds with candles and flowers, and it looks like some sort of funeral. And they cry, and the animals are watching from outside the house in the rain. Mm-hmm. And then there is a. Uh, some text that comes on the screen 
that says, so beautiful even in death that the dwarves could not find it in their hearts to bury her. So they fashioned a coffin of glass and gold and kept eternal vigil at her side. Mm -hmm. The prince who had searched far and wide heard of the maiden who slept in the glass coffin. So again, because she's saved by her beauty, I guess. So her beauty originally condemns her, Mm -hmm. um, but then... Her, she's saved by her beauty because the evil queen was like, well, she's still technically alive and could come back with love's first kiss, but she's going to get buried underground. And so we don't have to worry about that. Well, they're like, well, because she's so beautiful, we don't want to bury her in the ground. Yeah. We're going to just leave her rotting body in this glass <laughs> coffin to see. Yeah. in the sun mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> in the middle of the woods. It's um, not rotting though. Cause she's technically not dead. I guess so. But I mean, like if I didn't, eat or shower or anything for and it was just baking in a glass case in the sun yeah, in the woods disgusting. i probably wouldn't be too uh too pleasant yeah, no. but uh the the prince is singing his song again the the one song whatever <laughs> um as he's approaching snow white in her glass coffin the dwarves um remove the glass lid and to place flowers on there and and uh in this meadow with sun shining down on her the prince approaches, leans down, and kisses her. The someday my prince will come melody begins, and Snow White's eyes open, and she stretches. The dwarves are shocked. She sits up and sees the prince. He picks her up. The dwarves are dancing. The prince sets her on his horse and lifts one by one each of the dwarves up to allow her to kiss them all on the heads as she says goodbye. And Dopey does a little trick again where he's trying to get a kiss on the lips and she grabs his ears and turns his head down so she can kiss on top of his head. And uh, the prince leads the horse up a hill over the fields into the distance. We great, beautiful shot of seeing his castle as if it's appearing in the clouds in the distance. And the Someday My Prince Will Come melody builds and builds and, and ultimately you know concludes in, in the storybook we cut back to the storybook from the opening of the movie and as it closes and uh, you know it says and they lived happily ever after and then the book closes the and the end, end. we and did it Snow White <laughs> close the book yep close that book um yeah. let's just get into what makes it great here I think we've been talking like almost the length of these movies lately these past few weeks um so we're under this movie right now let's keep it that way <laughs> what makes yeah this movie i don't have much to add really <laughs> really just like it, like we talked about super expensive for the time it was referred to as disney's folly prior to its release but the movie premieres to a standing ovation and judy garland's in attendance and charles lawton who we saw in mutiny on the bounties in attendance and they Clark both Gable love it. too oh really i didn't yeah. see that uh, it makes more that. than four times the money that any other movie made the year that it came out. It was massively popular the year it came out. It became the most financially successful sound film of all time until it was beaten by Gone with the Wind a little a year or two later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been re-released many times and adjusted for inflation. It's still in the top 10 of all time Wow! Um, in terms of money earned. It got great reviews from adults and kids at the time. It's often credited for inspiring MGM to produce The Wizard of Oz mm. um, a year or two later. It, it won an honorary Oscar, one normal-sized one and seven small ones. Presented by and, Shirley uh, Temple. Presented by Shirley Temple. The American Film Institute, in addition to its rankings that we talked about at the top, which were number 49 and 34, 
Um, it ranks the movie as the number one greatest animated movie of all time. The Evil Queen is the number 10 greatest villain of all time. Um, and Someday My Prince Will Come is rated, ranked as the number 19 greatest song of all time. So I really, I like that song. This movie's got, you know, a lot of dated um, themes and ideas and stuff. I like that Mm -hmm. song if it wasn't so gendered and if it wasn't so like, you know, my prince, princess. Like I like the the sentiment of, you know, someday the love of my life will come and take me away from this crappy job where I'm, you know, cleaning Mm -hmm. dishes and stuff like that. Like I like that sentiment and stuff and that's genuine and true and um, that makes it still, you know, so well known today i guess over generations right well and it starts the formula that we see in disney movies now where you know little mermaid ariel singing part of your world uh-huh. and uh, moana singing um oh my gosh what's the name of the, the song from moana that i love how far i'll go yeah. thank you and then uh frozen is let it go i mean like those are all like songs about you know just like what the the character what drives the character uh-huh. um and just like how they can escape from the world that they're in kind of a thing yes so i so i like that song it's very influential i think yeah that's the song that i remember grandma singing all the time and grandma liking mm-hmm. that song and like that probably was a big you know big hit back then <laughs> yeah. um they got a standing ovation in the theater did you already say that yes i did yeah. okay yeah that was pretty cool i watched something and it was like yeah clark gable and them was like in tears or something for parts of the movie and that the audience yeah like, like adults was really that was a thing it's like people thought this was just gonna be for kids but we find the the adults were the ones that really thought how special this movie was yep um but for what makes it great for me it's pretty simple the animation is super impressive for the time mm-hmm. and the influence in justifying an art form Yep. Uh, the, the it created the feature length animated movie. It, people thought it was a stupid idea, mm-hmm. and now we have feature length animated movies all the time, and so they're some of the highest grossing movies, some of the most successful critically, commercially, um, and just how it led to like the building of the media empire today. Yep. So it, you know, it all started with Mickey Mouse, but then you know, from from the feature length perspective, it really all began with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and this really justified Walt Disney and the Disney Corporation and everything that it is nowadays. And I and on top of that, there's some funny moments with Dopey and Grumpy and the Dwarves are and and uh, some catchy songs. Hi ho, mm-hmm. someday my prince will come. That that's what makes it great for me. It is, uh, you know, up until. This might be so far the the movie that we've talked about that might be the most influential in uh, in terms of like the biggest scope. Probably the scope. Yeah, that's definitely one of the big things that makes it great for me. Um, The production, obviously the animation and everything is super, super impressive. All of the different techniques and stuff that they had to develop. Really what that comes from is like, yeah, so many people telling Walt that, you know, this couldn't be done. And it's just somebody being like, kind of john Locke from lost you know don't tell me what i can can't do (laughs) you know he's like just you know adamant and just like really really driven just like has not has to but like really wants to do this um despite Mm -hmm. everybody else um saying that you can't and you know in production for four years and cost so so much money and people like i think they needed more money at one point and Walt had to like show some of the unfinished footage and stuff to the bankers and he didn't want to at first, but his brother pushed him to do it. Like he just went through all these hoops and hurdles and like 
Um, their studio was really small back then, and after this movie, it blew up. You know, like this movie was like, yeah, it was super impressive. It was the first of its kind, first full-length animated movie. Um, yeah, such a visionary. No one out. believes him, and he just pushes forward and and creates something that changes everything. Yeah, which is yeah, which is amazing. And yeah, this is the birth of that giant, giant. Um, monster that is disney now that we know today Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which yeah i really like i think that's what makes it great um you know there's definitely some things wrong with it um (laughs) but it's 1937 it's a fun 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 movie i like it a lot all right well that's our discussion on snow white and the seven dwarves uh, next time we're going to be talking we go up one more year to 1938 and we talk about a movie that I had not heard of really before this list and and not seen called Bringing Up Baby. I think it's a screwball comedy. Okay. Like it happened one night. Cool. But don't quote me on that if I'm way off. If you're <laughs> off, I'm going to be and mad. <laughs> it's ranked number 97 on the original list and it moved up to number 88 of the 10th, anni- 10th, anniversary, 10th anniversary list. Yeah, bringing Up Baby going up the ranks there. All right. My name is Andy Fernandez. (laughs) My name is Michael Fernandez. Thank you guys for joining us on What Makes It Great.